Welcome to Q&A. We're going to jump right into things. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for sticking around, Bruce. Okay. Not just running for it. Uh, real real quick, I'm going to put the phone number up just right off the bat. 360-447-8474. <laughs> 8474. So text in all those questions like, why does Bruce get the tiny chair? Yeah, were you trying and to we'll find out. Like looking, uh, I've been trying for some time. I got this huge torso. It's, it's only halfway there. Okay. I so hit me. Start. Yeah. I want to start. So where God says, oh, I have, you know, pray for the prosperity. We're almost feet. We got feedback. Little, going. Yeah, there. Do we got like something coming back at us? I hear it. Yeah, there's just a little feedback. I think it's, it can't handle my deep, dulcet to Oh, fixed. No. no. Still ringing. We got a little ringing going on. Okay. <laughs> Don't you, you guys feel like, see this okay. behind the scenes stuff that yeah. everybody loves. Okay. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> they're ringing in my ear. I'll just pretend it's the angel singing. <laughs> they're very annoying angel. Uh, so, when uh, the scripture there where the Lord says, look, I know the plans I have for you. Right. Plans to give you hope and a future. Yeah. And uh, pray for the city that it prospers, because if Babylon prospers, you will prosper, because I know the plans I have for yeah, you. Yeah, right, right. And plans to prosper you. Okay. And we have the plan in detail. It's an entire book of the Bible. It's the book of Esther. Because at right. the end of the 70 right. years, when Darius, or Darius, how do you say it, when he comes to power, um, uh, oh, uh, Haman decides, because there's another scripture where God says, and I will draw you in, and you will, you will uh, seek me with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and find me. Right, right, And right. then I'll bring you back here and we'll rebuild. And so he does this in the book of Esther because Haman puts out this uh, little edict that everyone everywhere gets killed the Jew day. Right. And on one day they get to go kill all of them and take all their stuff. Well, he doesn't realize that the king, who also doesn't realize, he's married to a Jewish woman. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so when she reveals that, of course, then the king is so upset with uh, Haman and he, he hoists him on his own petard. Petard, yeah. And uh, kills him. But then, because you can't rescind an order that's been stamped, uh, what he did do was he empowered all the Jews on that day, gave them permission and support, not only to withstand the attack, but to plunder anybody they wanted right. to. And everyone was so surprised how strong the Jews were because they defeated all, there was like 122 provinces, they defeated them all and plundered everything they had and then they got to come back to Jerusalem with it. So before uh, Esther uh, reveals herself, they're terrified and they right. all go into mourning and they're all crying out to God with all their heart and soul and mind and strength. God does he, so, so here he is, right when they, he first sends them, you know, they're gonna be there 70 years. He's like, look, pray for the prosperity because you're gonna plunder it and bring it all back. Right, right, and right. And so if it prospers, I know you can't understand this, but if it prospers, you prosper. Right, right. And so I know the plans I have for you to give you hope because he's going to draw them to love him, nice. seek him with all their hearts and minds and strength, and a future, because they're gonna come back and rebuild. And so that's exactly what he does in the book of Esther. Yeah. They, the nation turns to him with all their heart, soul, mind, Gosh, and strength. They funny, get to yeah. see this big miracle. They plunder all of the, and, and that's prophesied in Jeremiah. 
about how God, when, when the time is right for Babylon to be recompensed, mm -hmm. um, that he will plunder them from within in all of their territories, and those who were plundered will be the plunderers, right. and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I right. just thought, oh, that's good. I've never really known or, or, or heard before that there was an action. He's, that's a reference to something. It's a, right, right, right. Pray for them to prosper you all. Oh, that okay. happens all the time. I want to make sure, though, uh, we have a couple of people saying that, like, your voice is still lower. So if we're, if, if we're Do we good, have a sound person? Give me the thumbs up. If it's not good, okay. give me the thumbs down, and we'll just deal with it. And They're saying that my voice is low Well, technically, online. they said it's not as strong as mine. So I don't know if that means that it's just the, the volume or if you just need some, like, Whoa, let me talk like this. <laughs> I did enjoy that. That was a good. That was close. I, felt... I know. I was doing the God voice, and I realized I'm just doing your voice. I know. I feel so bad for my kids and wife now. If that's how I sound, none shall have dessert. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a command. Anyway, Whoa. I want to learn how to do that. <laughs> no, you don't. Through my little um, voice box. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, for starters, I gotta ask. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, what are your the, thoughts the, on there? Oh, I loved it. I love this oh, stuff. Really? I love. Uh, okay. I love this stuff. I like parts of it. No. Um, the insulation. I love. I love Joe's shrimp boat. Uncle Joe. Shrimp Uncle boat. Joe. That's hey, anybody remember uh, Joe's drive-in in Laconer decades ago? Nope. Joe's drive-in Laconer. That was my uncle Joe. Yeah, and there was a shrimp like you would go to get shrimp. Yeah, they he sold shrimp also, but it was a full-on drive-in. And he had a shrimp boat. He loved, yeah, they made a ton of money on the shrimp. Wow, okay. He had a big old ship out in the corner. And, uh, and so you know how you go to like, there's a fruit stand, uh, or it's a seafood stand in Burlington. Yeah. Looks like a fruit stand, but it's not. And they sell the fresh, you know, those, those local shrimp. Yes, And they're yes. so good. Yeah. Um, well, that's what he used to do. So you would go to the drive-in, you could get a shrimp burger, but get Ooh. your hamburger and fries, and then they just had the big fresh shrimp, like the shrimp shack out there. And sure, yeah, yeah. Same, same Very deal. Cool. But also, uh, I would drive around with him because he delivered fresh shrimp to all the restaurants mm -hmm. uh, from like Everett to Ferndale that used those fresh shrimp, mostly Asian restaurants and all. Yeah, yeah. And so they would, they would bag those things up oh, and awesome. had this big van with coolers yeah, and then awesome. we would drive them around to them. I just, I want the bucket of butter to just walk around and oh. eat things So this with. big old copper kettle, he had these little like uh, glazed terracotta, they looked like just something out of the Bible days. And they just, because <laughs> they flat bottom, they wouldn't move around the ship. And so he, he just puts a cube of butter in each one and then he just put them under the copper kettle because the heat from it would mm -hmm. be enough. Mm -hmm. And so by the time they were done, that's amazing. Um, and I love the whole shrimp analogy I thought was spot on. Uh, oh, especially like spot, spot prawns? Spot prawns? I said it on purpose. No, <laughs> I didn't. Um, uh, this parallel to living in Babylon and insulating from it, I think it's very poignant. You know, whatever your take is on everything that's going on, no matter what. No matter what? We feel like there's an opposite. A lot of us feel like there's an opposition from some other side, whatever side that you're on, and that you have to walk a line it's hard to See, walk because we rightly feel the opposition it's right. there that's opposition yeah. we mistakenly think they're our enemy right well there are opponents and yeah. i mean yes they're enemies of this and that and the other but these are the people god wants to save and right. so if he's put us here it's not because he hates us and wants us to be trounced by the enemy it's yeah. because he wants us to infiltrate they ch i mean think about what they did in babylon who became the leader of the wise men? 
Daniel, who became Nebuchadnezzar's yep. right-hand man. Daniel, right. who, uh, who turned Darius to the Lord. Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar put out an edict that the God of Daniel is, is the number one God of the world. Yeah, yeah. And if you do anything yeah. against the God of Daniel, we're going to come, or wait, that might have been Darius. So we're going to tear down your house and yeah. we're going to uh, put up a stake and drive you through it. And then Darius, the same thing, where you know he so loved Daniel and right. uh, that he went to the lion's den. And then he put out a letter saying, uh, this, okay, here's fun trivia. He puts out a letter saying that everyone must worship the God of Daniel. Okay? We're told in the story, that, and he's Persian or Mede, Persian and Mede. Mm -hmm. But we're told that the law of the Persians and Medes was very particular. Because once an edict was made, it could never be reversed. Right. And it had to be acted on. And so mm -hmm. he so he made this edict that everyone in, in his kingdom right. would worship the God of Daniel. And so where do the wise men come from when the God of Daniel shows up in person? Well, there's an edict. Right. You have to come worship him because he's here. Right, right. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Turns out that it just holds true. Yeah, the connection. So, yeah, all the, all the changes, all the things they did that, you know, Esther went to the throne. Yeah. Mordecai became like the number one advisor to the if king. If there's one consistent, I mean, and there's many, but if there's one of those consistent points that just keeps being made through his chosen people is when the world is stacked against you and it seems really terrible and bad and everything's awful and pointless and hopeless and it's not going to happen i can do my best work so don't worry like it's no big deal we can advance things like crazy so don't think that you're losing to the world i mean that's and, and it might be you know you think of like the disciples in the upper room and they're afraid the doors are locked and all use common sense right right you know do do what you must do do the right things but I think today's uh, uh, basic point is be, be visible, be bold, and right. be gentle. Right, right. Work for the peace. And I think we, I've just seen a lot of indignation. Yeah, somebody actually wants to know, are you, have you always been the get in the other boat guy? Or is that something that you had to work toward? Like, are you the no, hand me a beer I've, guy? I've always been get in the other boat. I just don't, I don't like beer. So no, I would have, I probably would have, you know what I would have done? Give me one. That's what I would have done. And I would have acted like I was drinking it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, it's not to blend in. Right. It's to build a bridge. And boy, there's a huge difference. Yeah. And so I've never been what I call a pharisaical stickler, where yeah. it's like, you know, oh, but how many drinks can you have before it's sin? And it's like, look, I think we are all pretty, I think we just kind of know when we're sinning. Yeah. If, if, you're, if you're sensitive to the Lord, if you're in his word, if you mm -hmm. actually have a, a, a relationship with him, he lets you know, and it's, yeah. if you're listening to that voice, yeah. it's there. And so I think there's sometimes it's just easier to have a set of rules and we follow the rules right. and then we think that that's our witness to the world. If I can really look like Jesus, kind of hide all the things I do wrong and bad or that I think are sure. and be very religious, that's I'm really giving a good witness. And no, that's not the that's not pleasing to God. No, the, it, your witness is show him how it works. Right. Show him that he look what he's doing in me. Yeah. I'm look, I'm a messed up guy. Right. Right. Yeah. That's your light. Yeah. And I love that so that those put it on a stand so that those who come into the room can see their way. And it's like, that's us. Wherever you work or play or whatever, um, be you 
be transparent, authentic. Yeah. Don't overshare. <laughs> yeah. But, I, but let people know salty. what God's doing. And, and if you are letting God change you, mm. if you're responding to that, we're really going to talk about this next Sunday, by the way, okay. then uh, they will see that and that will be the witness. Mm -hmm. And as they watch you change and all of a sudden you're not swearing and you're not, and it's not just that you're not swearing because it's religious. It's like you're changing. This guy's changing. And then there comes the day where if you're wearing it for them to see, they go, so that looks like a way I would want to go. Right, right. Yeah. That's the lie. Yeah, and I like, uh, you made the point uh, a couple of times that I thought is really important. Yeah, to make sure that you hear this right. The how to be all things to all without conforming to any. Right. Enjoy and employ the things of this world, but don't be absorbed. And I mean, because that's, that's a dangerous line like that's you're talking a, about. Those two things will be in tension in the life of a true believer. Right. They should right. be. They have to be. <coughs> yeah. Stepping into that boat, grabbing that beer may be great, but then three, four, twelve later, that's when you're like, uh-oh, am I using it or is it using me? And that is a difficult right. thing to make sure to stay that insulated. You just reminded me of something I was going to say during the service because we have less people watching now. But if you know Bill Kieselhorst, <laughs> forward this to him. Yeah. Oh, I got I don't know him. I got to meet this. I got to have a beer guy. with this guy. Oh, we used to, because no one could pronounce his name. And so uh, we put up this, uh, what do you call it when you use a Rubik, uh, the pictures that make words? Yeah. A, uh, a Rubicon. <laughs> no. Rebus. A, Rebus. Thank you. Yeah, yes. Okay. A Rebus. I'm and glad so, I could get you there. You're welcome. Yeah. And so it was uh, keys, a set of keys. And then this old horse with a gray beard. It was like keys, old horse. And now you know, keys, old horse. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Um, uh, I got a couple here. One, can you elaborate about how God leaves us without hope for a time and why? Well, the why is to build up. Everything he's doing here is for discipline. Not discipline as in punishment. Discipline as in training. And so... Right. Every, he tells us everything is for training. We're told that over and over and over. So uh, what's James say? Uh, Consider it all joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But any, if, if any of you are lacking in wisdom right at any moment, then uh, cry out to God and he'll give it to you. Everything is to build up the body of Christ and you and me individually within it. And so, in case you haven't noticed, the entire world is designed to stress us out. Right. Everyone we love will either die or we will die. Yeah, maybe not me. Maybe not <laughs> me. I might be the exception. It's like, oh, everything here. You know, I've, you've heard the expression, uh, nothing's living, everything's dying. Mm -hmm. It's like, everything here is like, life and now it's dying right. everything has a pull date and then you look at like a turtle yeah. a tortoise that lives uh you know 180 years you go why do they get to live 180 right. years? believe me from their perspective it's no different it's, time just goes fast. yeah uh it's all designed and then the allowance of the brokenness of this world right by it's allowed for a purpose because it's like an obstacle course and so and i've, I've talked about that before it's like going into a, a uh, gym and saying, you know, very uh, inefficient, uh, like these uh, things. Uh, let's, let's get rid of all the equipment 
And it's going to be a whole lot easier to get through this place. You got those tires they're running through. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I guess that's not a gym. That's a uh, boot camp. Yeah. You know, get rid yeah, of those yeah, tires, yeah, yeah. and they'll just and go so much faster. And the wall and the rope. I mean, put we could be, yeah, yeah. Put a ladder. Yeah. How about an elevator? And so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, that's, that's, so, why does God leave us in hopelessness? Because that's why we're here, right. is to grow. And God knows uh, we won't do it right. unless we're pushed into it. Well, and, and so would, everything's designed to push us. Would you say that that is hopeless? I mean, um, just because I, you know, it, it seems like he always leaves you like the, the pinhole of light, the something to grab onto, some hope. No, or... I think like for them, he's promising, he's basically saying, trust me, right now there's no hope. So it's like hope in the hope. Uh, yeah, you can trust yeah. that there will be hope. You can, tr your, I guess that's your hope. Yeah. Your hope is that hope will come. Right, yeah. So, so you're hoping trust. that yeah. hope will, yeah. yeah. That's another word for trust. So what's happening there is the fulfillment of all this prophecy that I will utterly destroy Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And, but also that he'll rebuild it. He'll come. Yeah. And so he takes them away. And I mean, he just levels it to the ground the first time. You know, we're talking about back in the Nebuchadnezzar days. And then they go to Babylon and here they are in a country and they're not in their homeland, and, and there's no homeland to return to, and they're enslaved. And so at that moment, what is their hope? Right, and So that's right. why, so here comes the letter from Jeremiah. Oh, good, a letter. And it's basically, uh, build houses, dig in, dig in, because you're there for the long haul. But one day, way, probably past your lifetimes, um, God's going to give us hope again. It's like... Well, that's not what we wanted to hear. We wanted to yeah. hear. And in Jeremiah, there's a false prophet that goes to Babylon. And he writes to everyone and says, within the span of two years, uh, God's going to overthrow Nebuchadnezzar and bring all of the items back to Jerusalem. And Jeremiah, uh, the guy comes and he takes the yoke off Jeremiah's shoulders and he denounces him in front of everyone. And he's not a real prophet, I am. And within the span of two years, and all this stuff is up. And Jeremiah says, I bet that guy's real popular for two years. Nope. <gasps> no? Nope. What happens? Jeremiah says, um, because you just said all that, thus says the Lord, um, you're going to die this year. <laughs> yeah, smite. So that they'll know that you're not uh, from, you don't speak on his behalf. And the next line is, and sure enough, it doesn't say sure <laughs> it enough. Says, it just says, no take back. It says, and he died that same year. <laughs> and it's like, wow. Yeah. There's no, when God wants to you make a point. You didn't let me finish. <laughs> I was still at six. And so when that guy was, you know, because yeah. there's a guy going, no, don't worry. And then he's dead. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Jeremiah, that's how you would prove, you know, that basically that's, we saw the rules of how you yeah. prove a prophet is from the Lord. They have to say something um, that will happen in the immediate future yeah. so that you know that they are of God or not. Yeah. And Jeremiah is really good about speaking so, things against the guys who are only prophesying way in the future. You know, it's like in two years or in this, that, and they're not saying things that'll happen right away yeah. because they don't, because they know they're just, you know, blowing smoke. And so Jeremiah is really good when they say something like that, saying, well, here's another one from me that'll happen real soon. <laughs> yeah. This guy is going to be uh, his head removed and uh, by Nebuchadnezzar himself. 
and so good it, luck with yours, <laughs> being headless and all. <laughs> and there's a couple of guys. He says, hey, take up this proverb against the two, and he names them who they are. There's two prophets in Babylon, um, and this is the anti-Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego story. Mm. It's just tiny little verse right in the middle. But Jeremiah says, hey, you have some false prophets in Babylon who are not from God. So why don't you take up uh, this saying against them? Or, or, or learn this proverb, he says. Um, boy, may the rebellious be like, and he says their two names, <laughs> and <laughs> who Nebuchadnezzar roasts in the fire. <laughs> it's like, oh, I guarantee yeah, they got roasted yeah, in the yeah, fire. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So God was really making it clear that they are hopeless. He, yeah. He killed every prophet that, said, that gave them any hope because God gets mad. Well, that, You're saying peace, peace, and there is no peace. Right, right, right. That false hope. That's a, that's a strange but very comforting thing is to know that he won't let me put too much stock in something that's not going to stand because he will make sure it won't stand. I can't be duped forever because right. it won't work. There's only because one thing. Because he wants you to turn to him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he says... Have you not looked how the world works? I'll do anything to make right. that happen. This isn't the holy place. This is the right. unholy place. And you are my holy children. And I don't want to lose any. My, his heart, we're told, is that not a single soul would be lost. Mm -hmm. So you think there's any stops he won't pull out right. to make that happen? Well, he gets tired, you know, like <laughs> the rest of us. Okay, I got a long question here. Okay, so, okay. so yeah, we gotta buckle up, up these ears. Too. Please connect your first point in today's sermon about being imitators with your sermon on being witnesses. Today's message made it sound like we need to be much more aggressive in declaring our faith as the only path than your witness sermon did. Isn't the truth of Jesus most powerfully exhibited through how we live this life, loving God, loving others, and enduring suffering, yes. than it is through declaring to non-believers the truth? Yes. Which is the which is uh, which is that? Yeah, I think you grabbed hold of one statement in that sermon, and maybe uh, I, I probably led you to believe I was putting more emphasis on it than not. Um, what I was talking when I was talking about uh, believers who are imitators. And I was trying to make the point that they're not, they don't reject Jesus. They will even, it's hard to spot an imitator sometimes because they'll right. say, Jesus is my Lord. And they'll think, oh yeah, I'm doing a real good job. But they will never with their actions or when there's an appropriate time to speak into someone, they will never take the opportunity to say, Jesus is the Lord. And heaven forbid, if it's the right timing and moment and you have that relationship and there's an opening to say, Right. You know, can I talk to you about my faith? And, right. Because I think, and I said, to heaven forbid they say, you need Jesus. Um, I was doing a little tongue in cheek and trying to make the point as quickly as possible. I was not advocating, repeat, not advocating yes. that you go out and say to people, you need Jesus. Right. It was shorthand for when you have an when you're watching and you see an opportunity because you've built a bridge in a relationship and you have a you have a moment to introduce them to your faith because they've come in share the they've hope seen that the you light have, yeah. and they've come into the room and they see the way and they want to know more 
It was shorthand for that, and I was trying to be cute. Yeah, so then they, they go on to say, so I think you've answered, since non-believers see our belief in truth as foolishness, isn't the pain of the world and our enduring faith a more powerful example yes. of the light of salvation than our bold insistence that they're wrong, that non-believers are wrong? I don't know how you got out of that yes. that I say they're wrong. Uh, yeah. I mean, did I say... Well, no, no, I think it was just, I think it was what you just said is a good clarification, that it's like, that's not, that, that was shorthand. It's not... You know, ultimately, we want to get to that point yeah, where we're looking like down on Yeah, because like in the boat, our... the pastors would represent the people that are saying, you're wrong, and we're in this boat, and we're right. pastors. And Bill would represent what I was advocating today, where you step in and become all things to all people, but without being absorbed and engrossed by them. Right, right. But you're right on. Uh, I think we absolutely agree. Yes, yes, yeah, I think that's good. Um, what direction or encouragement would you give to me if I don't feel prepared or strong enough to run with the world and not conform? Then don't run with the world. Well, to live your life, let's say. Like, like if you don't feel like you are strong enough, but you gotta go live in the world and be in. Yeah, but if they're saying, if they're saying I'm not, I need to isolate more because I, if, I go, if I go out in the world, I start acting like them and talking like them, then work. Remember, I said, and I quote, I can't because I'm not wearing my glasses. Do you remember what you said? Well, I wanted to see how I said it. That thing I said about, um, what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> that thing I said about oh, it, takes it takes, uh, this takes wisdom and training. Oh, I don't know. I, it was, yes. I'll just restate what I'm thinking, is that this takes wisdom and training uh, this stuff isn't natural. That's why we're here. And so take it slow. Don't put yourself in a situation where you know you're going to be the influenced and not the influencer. Right. But at the same time, be listening to that, the voice of that tugboat, you know, that bump, bump, bump. Be listening right. and responding because that's how we test it. Right. So that would be, so if they say they don't feel prepared, that would be the way to prepare. Well, like pre to become more prepared would be to get in the Word, word and hear that bump. Let Situa that word. Uh, bring yourself around people who share your faith, that you, people you can pray with and talk to about your faith. Right. Yes. And that bump will... will because get... I don't advocate theology. I advocate Christ-likeness. So I... A lot of people get confused with witnessing and they want to witness a theology. I need to take you through these points and these steps. And it's like, yeah, there's lots of variations on theology, and, but we all, you know, let's major in the majors here's a, and show them Jesus. So here's a great question for that nuance is uh, on, on the no indignation idea, what about righteous indignation or is righteous indignation something the religious systems have made up? Didn't Jesus show indignation in the temple? So if we're supposed to just model Jesus, it, that brings up that like, so is that, we have to develop the theology. What is he doing and why? Yeah, you know, because it, two times we see him, well, three times, but uh, in the temple, uh, there's two incidences where he goes in and overthrows all the tables of the religious people who are taking advantage of everyone. Right, right. And then there's another time he goes into the uh, court of uh, the Gentiles on the steps of the court of the women. And that's where they bring the adulteress caught in the act to him. And he gets very indignant about all those guys that want to stone her. So two times in the temple, he shows his indignation against the religious who are, you've turned my father's house into a den of thieves, and it is said it shall be a house of prayer for all nations. They won't even let the Gentiles in. Mm -hmm. And so, which by the way, that's where he takes two verses and weaves them together. So, so yeah, you, you just see that Jesus is always indignant 
toward the religious who are making it harder for people to see the mercy and the love of God. So, so what if somebody's feeling that though? Feeling what if what? So, somebody is feeling that this church or this group is doing that same thing? So go they feel em. like if I should be like Jesus, go am I supposed em. to go? Be what if that's us, Bruce? Then come get us. Because that's what, Gently. Like and when with Paul was, well, basically what Paul says, he doesn't say I'm being silly. He doesn't say go get them. Yeah. He says don't even have lunch with them. Right. And so he writes to them about, you know, believers that are sexually immoral and idolaters, right. this, that, and the other. Don't be around them. Don't even have lunch with them. Judge them. And then separate from them because they're awful people. And then all of a sudden everyone's going, oh, we need to be religious and we need to get indignant. We need to separate from the sexually immoral and this. So he writes this letter and says, oh my goodness, I didn't mean the people of the world. You thought I meant, no, no, no. Everyone out there is doing whatever they're doing. Right. That's who we're going after. No, I meant, and he goes on, I didn't read it, but he goes on to say, I meant the people in the church. Right. That if they are this, that, and the other. Right. Don't even have lunch with such a person. Right. Because they're, they're the worst of all worlds. They're pretending and telling everyone that they're an example of what it is to follow Christ, but they're not even saved. They're just doing horrible things. Right. So don't associate yourself with them, but do go out and be with the world and try to. But I would. Uh, so only, he doesn't only say go right, attack them, he says... Right, and, and I would think, and you tell me if you agree or disagree, that only righteous indignation is reserved for Jesus. That is something that's a little bit separate in that mm -hmm. we are not perfectly righteous, so we right. have to qualify it with insofar as we understand it. I'll be like, I feel like I am righteous in this thing, that this is not against it, and I don't like what, you know, that these are those people, these Pharisees, to me... But I can't be as certain as Jesus because I'm not Jesus. I don't have, I don't have my well, righteousness there, complete. But there, I agree with you except in the extremes. There are definitely times where yes. somebody is calling themselves a Christian sure. and then they are doing something that is so... I gave that example, I think, last Sunday about the guy that brought his, he had an affair on his wife. They're right. not even divorced. She comes to second service and he brings his girlfriend to first service and starts introducing her to everyone as his angel that God brought him. Yeah. Now... Yeah. I know enough of the Bible to know uh, that is so wrong I can't find, on so many levels. Right, right. There, there's, so, there's a few of those places where I think that there's nobody on the other side of that fence in all of right. Christianity. So when we approached him right. and, and gave him an ultimatum that you can't be in this church telling people sin isn't sin. Mm -hmm. And we were very polite and we were very kind. Yeah. And if he would have said to us, and, and he just, he went away. I, well, then he doesn't want to be here. And we, but we love you, and we want, but we would rather see you restored. You know, it's that whole thing about, kick them out of the church so that they may be restored. It's that hard, and we're very kind of yeah, polite. Because then they're outside, and now, you can love them again, because they're, the, they're in yeah. the world. They're not. So if he kept coming, if he would have mm -hmm. just said, well, this isn't sin, and I have every right to be here, mm -hmm. and you can't tell me what to do, then our indignation, if you want to call it mm -hmm. that, it would have risen to, you know, we would have been as polite as we could. Right. But if he had forced the issue, I mean, how far do you want to take it? We would have ultimately took him by the arms and take him outside and said, we're getting a restraining order. You're not coming back. So, right. you know, that's how it works in the real world. I, we've never had to do that with anyone, but yeah, yeah. But that's because politeness usually works. <laughs> we hope, I know it's, uh, it's, Trying times, and, and we'll try. But that's so we encourage everybody with that modicum of yeah. restraint and 
respect and politeness. So even if you do feel like you have that righteous indignation to test those waters and by all means, check it against every word of scripture. Yeah, because Jesus was surrounded by the respected religious community that knew the word of God and they were telling everyone, this is not the Messiah, this is Satan, this right. is the devil. And so, and they, yeah. you know, he, he went and showed the miracles and he showed them scripture and, and they still, they're not yeah, buying it. Yeah, that's, so, that's a good point. So, it wasn't just a church, it was Jerusalem was the holy city that he put his name on. Yeah. And so you guys need to be kicked out, but you're staying here. And so he just rises to the level that they're... Yeah. And so, yeah, signs and wonders, hard to refute. Okay, I think this would probably be a good... It's Mother's Day. We got to yeah, let people go it. have Mother's Day. How did it get so late? Uh, I don't know. Your fault, let's just say. Okay, so I think that's all, that's all we got. It's uh, happy Mother's Day to happy all Mother's of the moms. Happy Mother's Day to you. you. I know, yeah. Thank you, uh, I'm going to go tell all of my, the mothers in my life how wonderful they are. We love them. We appreciate them. Uh, I, hey, I me assume too. you are too. Yeah. My daughter is a mother. My daughter-in-law wow, is a mother. That's right. My you wife a, is a mother. That's a weird perspective. Uh, my step... Wait, wait, my dad married a oh, one that made her my stepmother. I, I don't know why I get that. I called her my mother-in-law the other day. And it's like, no, no, it's not my mother-in-law, stepmother. So happy well, Mother's it seems Day like, to yeah, stepmama yeah. and wife mama and daughters All mamas. you mothers, yeah. <laughs> All, you mothers. <laughs> All you mothers out there. Okay. All right. You well, talk let's... like a fisherman. <laughs> I was. All right. We got we to gotta go. We'll see you guys later. Love y'all. Love y'all. So glad to Bye. do this. Let's do it again next week.